When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Never in my wildest dreams did I think I'd ever see such an awful performance as I did Saturday. I mean, come on, Central Michigan, 31 to 7 to Kansas? Seriously? Embarrassing, to say the least. I'm also with Mac. What is up, broadcasters? We have finally got some film to chew on. I'm so excited. Win, lose, or draw, football is here. It's descended upon us. It's like the great <laughs> pumpkin has arrived. <laughs> uh, I'm also with Boomer. Well, I'm just worried that the great pumpkin turned out to be Snoopy, actually, there, Max. So it's, I'm a little concerned at that. But regardless of what happened this weekend, Redcasters, at least we're not North Carolina or Arizona or Purdue, or UCLA, or I could keep going. So That is true, Boomer. Even though uh, Nebraska does not have a, you know, a victory in that win column yet, uh, things aren't all dark, even though we were not able to pull off a victory there on Saturday against the Buffs. Uh, there's a lot of positives to, to talk about. Um, first off, it was the Redcast tailgate party, right, guys? We had a phenomenal time. That was a positive. Yes, it was a good time. Much better before the game than after, I have to admit, even though I did enjoy talking to Honky, Mac, and Boomer, and many of our, our friends. I don't know how many people were there, Honk, but, man, we had a big crowd uh, uh, talking uh, Husker football before and after those, before the game. So it was great. Yeah, I bought. Uh, I know I brought six uh, cases of beer, and, and I have none left. Left over after it. I think that's a good start. My chili was completely gone. Completely. And one of my Diet Mountain Dews, which wasn't really up for grabs, I'd like that back. <laughs> and the uh, 175. Boomer had some excellent steak there, so uh, pork oh, yeah. uh, as well. So good yeah, stuff. The jack is gone. I mean, it was, it was good stuff. Absolutely. I did yeah, have a few I, cans of hams left, though. So. Oh, really? Yeah, you were trying to really... Sh- Get the hams, and uh, people were not not going for yeah, it. Yeah, that's one of the first things he asked me too. You want a hams? I'm like, well, not really. <laughs> <laughs> he got all offended. Uh, and uh, three of the four of us were at the game, I believe. Boomer, Hockey, and myself. Uh, I was able to get tickets. Uh, had some good suggestions from Redcasters, including uh, Josh Fisher, who I think worked the hardest to help me get into the stadium. Helped me uh, set up with a couple of. Uh, uh, Husker ticket exchanges and got in at a reasonable price, so that was that was excellent, um, and uh, it was a good show all around. Except for uh, really that that fourth quarter, you know, Honk Mac. Maybe you guys just want to have some initial impressions of what you saw out there. Yeah, well, I was going to say we we had Justin from the Husker Fan Podcast oh, yeah. come over too uh, at Husker Pod. Great show too. Listen to those guys if you can. Um, we were going to do a post game kind of rapid reaction. He was all excited too. We were going to come over and do a quick one. If things went well, and when it didn't, it was like, ah, you know, we'll just, we'll just, you know, move on. But I, I have to say, as far as the game went, man, overall, I gotta tell you, I'm really pleased with how we played. 
the physicality of how we played. I haven't seen us do that in a number of years. I liked everything I saw just about on Saturday with the exception of the final score. And that final score is a reflection on on the, the two main issues that we had, penalties and turnovers, which are things that are preventable, things that can be fixed. And it's a, it's a place to, to move forward from. It, I, can't, I hate the loss. There's no moral victories here. But I loved what I saw with the physicality piece of this team. It's something that uh, we're going to win games down the line, including this year, because of it. So I didn't see any major systemic kind of coaching issues. So, you know, Redcasters, take a deep breath. CU might also be a little better than, than what uh, we might think, too, along the way, too. Colorado, that, was a, that may not be a terrible team. And um, it's going to get better. Yeah, for the first game, you know, you've got so many questions. And at the end of the game, do you have more answers to those questions or, or you know, do you have more questions? And I feel like if you put together a table of things you need to accomplish to win a football game, uh, we checked a lot of those boxes off. And we haven't done that in a long time and, and, and won football games despite it sometimes. But one thing, if you lose the turnover margin, that's tough. And then if you're the more penalized team, that's tough. And regardless of how good you look running, the running and stopping the run, which we did, you know, it's just hard to overcome that, those particular columns. But that being said, I mean, geez, run defense looks strong. You know, we were able to move the ball. I feel like athletically we looked at, you know, I wasn't longing for any more talent anywhere. The line held up so nicely. So I feel like this team is poised. There's mistakes that can be fixed, but these are mistakes of – you know, repetition that can be hammered out and, and a little bit more experience, not because we lack the ponies to do it. I think these guys are in position to win games. It's always been and always will be a matter of how soon they they take the process and really put it on the field. But they're close. There we are, actually, a lot closer than I thought. No, I think that's fair to say. I mean, uh, living out here in Denver, obviously, I've, I've gotten a little bit of uh, back and forth with some of my uh, friends uh, that are CU alumni and obviously they're very happy with the, the victory but uh, pretty pretty overall complimentary of uh, Nebraska in the game at large I think they know that some of those stats really fell in our favor and they just happened to get the most important stat of uh, you know more points on the board um, I think they are are pretty high that that CU can contend in the Pac-12 South and I've told them hey I'm, I'm your biggest supporter now to win the Pac-12 South because that's yep. going to make that that loss that we just uh, took a little more easier to, to swallow and, and, and look better at the end of the day. Um, Honk, you, you wanted to add anything onto that? Well, I'll say this for any any CU fans that are regular listeners of ours. So probably oh, not there's many. many but of them. Uh, Montez, I think that guy's going to end up being a top one to two QB that we're going to see all season. I just flat out do. I mean, I'm looking at I'm that looking down the play, list. He might be I that mean, we play. It, he's a big, strong guy, mobile. And Maybe this, not so great once he has to move his feet to throw, but mm-hmm. when he's in the pocket, he's some of those balls he were drop he was dropping on. We had good coverage on, but and they were some of those seven well-thrown. sacks that he took were rough sacks. For sure. You think about this at six five two thirty five. I don't know that a, that a, a smaller quarterback would have been making throws at the end of the game if he took those same hits. I don't think he'd be in the game at the end. I, I was talking with a buddy of mine, David McGee, for lunch today. And we were trying to compare it to basketball players. Like, what, what's, what's a basketball player that's 6'5", 235? And he kind of said uh, Dreyer Horn, for a former Husker, would be kind of the closest to that size. Well, that's, that's essentially the size of a guy, a pretty big guy. 
and Khalil Davis picked him up and drove him into the ground yeah. on that one play. And a number of times, that guy took hits. And, I mean, this is a credit to Montez, and it's a credit to CU's offense. It wasn't a lack of effort on our side. We were hitting the hell out of those guys. And, and our yeah. defensive backs, when you go and you review some of the, some of the game, Boodle, that dude, that dude played his tail off. Now, we didn't catch an interception that we could have, and, and there's things to clean up. But the effort was there. I do give some credit to Colorado. Some of those third and longs that they got were just good plays. And, uh, and then some were penalties on our part, the things that we can clear up. So I'm not here to, to blow too much smoke up Colorado's behind. but Windpipe? <laughs> windpipe. Tailpipe? But, uh, Tailpipe. But I'm pleased with the effort that we gave. And, and I know that we were physical against them. Those guys, those, I can't tell you how many times I saw Colorado guys laying on the ground after a play. And we never want to see injuries, but we want to see physical play. And we saw it. Well, and it was actually a fun game to watch. I've, I've rewatched games in the past, you know, just to kind of have a see what's going on and be like, the more I watch the game, the more irritated I am at the play. But when I rewatch this game, I'm just like, oh, he yeah. played pretty good too. I'm like, oh, I didn't even see that play initially. And that's when I saw Boodle come and blow up a couple like those bubble screens they tried to run. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that was a good play too. I mean, like, there's a lot to like and, and, and the effort is what, here's what Frost kind of promised. We're going to work harder. We're going to play harder. We're going to try to be, I mean, he came through with a lot of the promises and he tried to temper expectations of this is a young team and, you know, we're going to have some things to learn, but it's possible. Let me bring Boomer in on this really quick. Uh, just maybe from that, that big picture perspective. And it sounds kind of weird because we're listening to, to Mac and Honky talk pretty glowingly about a situation where we ended up losing the game. But there, there has to be a lot of positives just overall with the effort and uh, kind of the mentality uh, that this team uh, showed on, on Saturday, including the way they took the loss, right? They, they, they're not happy either. Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, you know, the first useful takeaway I had at the game is this team got down 14 to nothing and didn't quit. I think we all know likely what would have happened with last year's bunch and maybe even under a prior regime or two what would have happened at a team, you know, jumps out to a 14 nothing lead first day at home. We're turning yeah. the ball over looking sloppy. Those those teams fold pretty easily, and they had in the past, and, you know, coaching staffs would allow that to happen. And we didn't see that in this one. The coaching staff kept their head in the game and kept the players in the game as well and, you know, got back on their game plan and just played the game they wanted to. So that that was very encouraging to see. And they are saying the right things after the game. Like you said, they all know there were opportunities there. Frost, you know, on his presser today, went down the things they did wrong, all the ways they lost the game. Yeah, that's kind of the weird thing about that game towards the end. It was like neither team really seemed to want to actually win the game towards the end. And that, you know, late third, fourth quarter, each team just kept going back and forth. No, you can win. No, you go ahead and do so. And neither of them seemed to want to take it. I actually said that to a CU fan right next to me. I'm like, I don't think either one of these teams knows how or or maybe doesn't, you know, just doesn't know how to win this game right now because everybody was making mistakes in the fourth. Yeah, certainly seemed like that. But uh, unfortunately, they did get that last break and uh, we didn't. But. Hopefully a learning experience, and, you know, I didn't feel disgusted watching this team the way I had some of the Husker teams in the past, so let's take that for what it's worth. Absolutely. All right, guys, let's, uh, let's actually dive into our offensive breakdown. Scoring Explosion, the offensive breakdown. Brought to you by Godfather's Pizza. With 27 Omaha and Lincoln, Nebraska area locations, it's surprising they have yet to give the Redcast any of those delicious pies for free. Godfather's Pizza. We'll talk scoring explosion, guys. So let's uh, head in and 
Mac, I'll start with you and maybe with uh, with uh, the star of the show, Adrian Martinez, and the performance he delivered as a true freshman. Um, I got to admit, I, I probably was uh, probably the most skeptical out of this this group of how well he could perform uh, right out of the gates. Uh, but even with his passing, he, he, he looked more mature than a true freshman. What, do you, what, what were your thoughts? He, it was kind of the perfect blend, Dave. It was, it was all the potential in the world. You saw all of that, all the flashes, the running, the passing, the arm strength, you know, sometimes the pocket presence. And then you saw all the trappings of a freshman. Yep, that's right. The, the running and straining for extra yards when it's unnecessary or throwing that ball that he luckily put it, got his knee down on the ground before it came out. Like, that is freshman. You know, some of those plays, um, you're just going to have to take the good with the bad. But honestly, first game, Pac-12 opponent, he only had a few of those. Um, I can't I can't fault the kid for that at all. He just recently won the starting position, so it's not like he's been getting you know front runner reps until the last couple weeks. So who knows? Uh, it's been a long time since he's played a live game of football. I mean, you can count the Under Armour All American game he played maybe a quarter of that, but other than that, he missed his senior year. So he looked like a guy who hasn't had contact in a while. He's going to have to learn how to go through that. We maybe dodged a bullet. It's not totally official on what his status is, but day-to-day. I guess it's day-to-day. So uh, coming out, freshman quarterback in that situation, I'm, I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty happy. I would, I would give it a, a, a B, and you know my heart's probably singing higher. So, <laughs> Hockey, what would you like to add? Well, I said the game was going to be 52-33, to 33, and they got the 33 part right for them. Uh, if you look at the stats, the stats probably show closer to 52 points being scored than 28. We just didn't get the points scored, right? But, That's you know, right. 500, whatever, close to 600 total yards, 300-plus rushing, 200-plus passing. I mean, that's, that's a, a pretty darn good day. And, you know, to be consistent with how I would have re- viewed our, our defense or our offense a year ago, I would have talked about run-pass ratios, right? Well – Let's do it. What we're kind of told with this offense is think 80 plays a game is kind of the rough average, right? 80. So if 80, and I've said this before, I go, if we're going to run 80 plays, I would expect us to run the ball 50 to 55 times and throw it 25 to 30, anywhere kind of in those ranges. And we ended up with 54 runs and 29 passes. I think we're about the right percentage there. We are a physical team for being a spread team. Um, I've heard some people, and there are people that called into some radio shows this morning and were complaining about not being able to get a fourth and one and not getting in the eye formation and missing that. I, I've long ago said that I think that there is room down the road that Frost might reevaluate as time goes on in the Big Ten. He might evaluate things like under center, maybe fullbacks. But for right now, at, at the very least, you can't tell me that we can't be a physical running attack after we just went for 300-plus yards on a Power 5 team running the ball. So... I, there's a lot of things to like. I don't like to see fumbles, and neither does Frost. And now it's up to this staff to improve this team, good week of practice, and, and let's not repeat those same issues. If we don't, I think we're going to be getting closer to scoring that 52 that I predicted. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think it was interesting, if you look at UCF stats from last year, I think you're right, the run-pass ratio is probably not too dissimilar uh, for the Golden Knights last year. But – uh, more of the offense actually came through the air than mm-hmm. on the ground, right? The run, I was gonna say, the, I was the gonna actual say that, play calling they, was similar, but they they usually throw for three hundred and run for two hundred. 
It is, okay, so Dave. Yeah, but we're one drop away almost from that being the reality of well, this game. Just yards. But Dave, were they, were they, see, I don't have UCF stats right in front of me. Were they closer to 50-50 in terms of actual ratio, or were you just saying just yardage in general, that the, the ratio was about the same? Yeah, Boomer, you can look this up. I, I think you might be right, Hawk. They might have been a little closer to 50-50, but they definitely had a about a, a, a 300 to 200 you know, or 350 to 250 mm-hmm. type ratio yeah. from passing yards to rushing yards. But I know, I think they actually had more rushing plays. Okay. Again, with the RPO and whatnot, it's very confusing to say what was actually called or not, or the amount mm-hmm. of scrambling that, that Milton would do, which is, again, m- multiple times Martinez brought the ball down and, and ran mm-hmm. uh, it, on Saturday. So that's the same case here. But I think they actually ran the ball more at UCF than through it, but had a lot more passing yards, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. You're correct there, Dave. Uh, some quick stats I pulled up from 2017 UCF. They would attempt season average was 32.6 passes per game. They averaged 38.5 rushes per game. They generated 331.8 uh, passing and 199.2 rushing per game is what they averaged. Yeah. So, so oh. what what I think is kind of interesting there, and, and we've talked about this in some previous shows, is how adaptive this offense can be to the personnel that they have. This is an offense where I think we could run it 80% of the time if you had the right situation, the right personnel, and I think you could throw it 70 or 80% of the time if you had the right situations with this type of offense. I mean, those are extremes, but my point is I think they could really adapt it. In some ways, I'd almost be interested, had Jebbia not left, and if he had been the starter, I wonder – you know, I don't think we would have seen 54 runs to 29 passes. I think we would have seen a little closer, to be honest. Well, but. that's a great question that I have for you two, uh, X and O gurus, is that do you feel like we ran as much as we did because that's what CU was giving us? Or is that something where you felt like that was a game plan, that they wanted to establish that physicality up front? I was a little surprised overall from, from the play calling and, and the run-pass ratio. I, wasn't, I, I expected us to run quite a bit. But we didn't have as many explosive uh, pass plays, I guess. We had the huge, the great 50-yarder to, to, to JD. But outside of that, we didn't throw the ball that deep. We didn't mm-hmm. have a lot of like you know vertical seam routes or anything happening where you're just like, oh, there's an explosive play. You know, um, was that surprising to you, or maybe was it just something that CU was giving us that ended up with that result? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting kind of take on it. I felt like to start off with. I feel like maybe he didn't take a few shots that he probably should have, and then those plays turned into the ones where he kind of scrambled for a bit. And, and, those, and that's fine. That's freshman stuff, and that's what he allows you to do. That's kind of the bonus that he gives you. But then again, he gives you that bonus of that one that he took to the house. You know, that move in the backfield on that guy was unbelievable. You know, that's, that's next-level stuff that, that everybody in the stands, everybody watching that game, go, oh, ooh, that was a special play. You know, and he showed burners afterwards. And then he comes back and he, throw, he drops a dime on Stanley, and Stanley drops that deep ball. And, and to your point, like pushing it deep, the couple times that we did it, he wasn't that far off. Spielman makes a good play on adjustment to that one, and it's a nice, good deep ball. I was a little surprised that we didn't hit the tight ends a little bit more frequently. Uh, but I was, but I was pretty happy with how we got the running backs involved. Made some flare passes that got them going. Um, overall, it looked like probably what it was is kind of a first game break in of a quarterback. You know, I don't think he was probably being told to go deep very often. But to the, 
but I think they're always a run by the numbers kind of team. If it's a if it's a RPO and the box is stacked, yeah. you know they're going to go by what the numbers dictate. You yeah, know? it's so a it's a box if count. It's, if offense. it's if it's eight, if it's an eight, we're throwing it. You know, so who knows how many times they called something, and then just depending on what CU was giving them. That's you know, great stuff, just, guys. So, so yeah. I want hockey said it, it's a box count offense, and Max said if there's eight, we're throwing it. So I think that that's a good good takeaways. You know, and one thing, too, I guess if I'm going to be consistent with how I evaluated Riley a year ago was, and I'm sure you guys heard this several times, <laughs> I really I really wrote him for his statements about we need to be a top three running offense. You know, you need to, uh, you know, you have to be one of the, the, the top offenses in the country or in the conference running the ball if you want to win the games and all that, and then we would never do it. Well, Walters came out last week, and he said, with a freshman QB, we can't drop back and throw it 40 to 50 times. We have to be able to run it. So, I mean, that was that's the coaches saying something one day in practice and us going to the game on Saturday and seeing that, that philosophy in place. So, I mean, there's a consistency there. And to your – you know, kind of to your point there, your question, Dave, about were we surprised maybe not to see more attempts? Or, I think – I don't know if they were – I don't know if they were surprised how well we were running the ball, especially early. I mean, 251st half yards. But I think they were definitely impressed by it. I think it was, you know, it was working well. The, the issue that we had, I didn't see enough explosive plays in the run game was the, was the, the one issue. And Frost kind of called that out a little bit today on, on yeah, Greg he Bell. Did. He did. And, he, and he, he, he says it in a way where it's like, you know, maybe we need to get in a little better shape, I think is how he, how he called it. But Bell – is extremely explosive between the tackles and yeah. right in. He reminds me, it's the difference of the weebacks between Derek Brown and, and Calvin Jones. Derek Brown would get through the line of scrimmage and was a dart, and he would get 15 yards guaranteed, but he always got shoestring tackled. Yeah. Calvin Jones was the guy that maybe delayed one more second, let something open up, and then when he was gone, had the breakaway speed yeah. that he, he ended up going 60, 70 yards. Well, I, I tell you what, our running backs, if we're going to just transition to go to the running games, yeah, we just talked about guys. the quarterbacks a little bit. Our running backs, although they both, they were all three of them, showed some really good things. I, I, do, I didn't come away from that game going, oh, well, clearly this is the guy. This is the guy who's going to get all the carries. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Bell showed some good things. Obviously, he got a 100-yard game. That's great. Yep. But, uh, but he's not necessarily that breakaway guy that, we're told this offense wants divine he comes in and he he allows you to be a bit of a sledge and those guys you know i don't think going any more than seven eight carries with a guy like that with the package used properly that's perfect that's exactly what you need and then a maurice washington to me is still a wild card man i was just mm-hmm. like on my i just kept thinking if he gets the ball a couple more times he's set to pop i mean this kid's really close to popping one and i feel like you know he's kind of a wild card but he looked it's tight race. It's not. It's not the Greg Bell show. No way. And we didn't even see Miles Jones that I saw. Mm-hmm. Did you guys? No. I, I don't remember seeing no. him at all. Really, just saw those. And that's three. not Jalen Bradley either. So, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting. It was productive. It was a very productive position, you know, on all fronts. But the way they attacked it, and I might have said something leading up to this about a depth chart. <laughs> they, they hit it by committee, and they did it just fine. Yeah, they did. I don't. I don't. Anyone who can complain about how we rotated our running backs is nitpicking at best. That 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 position was productive, if not exclusively by one guy. The Good only up. thing, only thing I would say with the Zigbo, because you've mentioned this, Mac, that you know maybe seven to eight carries in a game, you know, for a player like him. What I would say is, 
and it could be that seven or eight, but it's when he gets those seven or eight, I think is going to be important. I think there are times, if it's sh- whether it's short distance, that's, that's certainly one piece of it. But towards the end, Boomer and I, we were sitting next to each other watching that, and it was the play right before, unfortunately, we threw the interception. But that was the play where I turned to, to Boomer, and I was like, this is, where, this is the time of the game. This is when Ezekiel gets, earns his scholarship. He may get seven or eight carries in the game, but they may be the next seven carries. It's I think Alabama had a back like that a couple of years ago. It was one of those guys that, you know, uh, he ended up going like sixth round. It was a big back, but he didn't really start Henry. getting – It wasn't – no, it was um, yeah, it was just a year or two ago, and I can't remember. But they literally cloned those guys. I know, but it was the big guy <laughs> that that he would start getting carries literally in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, yes, after everything like else had gone on. Like, don't, and that, that's don't kind do. of how I can see – and by the way, when we're talking about running backs, you might as well call Spielman one, or you might as well call uh, Lindsey one, because they're in the backfield in some plays and they're getting sure. pitch, you know, option pitches yeah. and stuff. So I mean, and then the way that Martinez, you know, had the number of carries he had, there's just so many. Well, if options. I would have told you our freshman quarterback comes out and rushes for 100 yards, passes for another 187, throws a touchdown and a pick, still, would you be happy? If I'd have gave that to you at the beginning of the week and said oh, he'll, sure. this will be his stats. Yeah. Those are great. Now the fumble, we probably get a little hairy, but I mean yeah. those are. He well, we had a plays. fumble with with uh, Martinez and Bell in the first yeah. quarter that they proved costly. Let's put it that way because we went down fourteen nothing, and as as Scott said in the presser, he, that's a good way to lose a game is as mm-hmm. spotting a team fourteen points. Do you guys feel like those those fumbles uh, were due to the first game? against the Power 5 team where uh, there probably hadn't been a lot of contact in practice the last few weeks, especially versus the, on, on the quarterback? Being a Husker fan podcast, <laughs> I, I can Is that too tough of a question for you, Mac? You <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it's, it's obvious that those are the kind of games or things that happen that can only happen in live games, and that's when you really like an Akron, where you're – Allowed to kind of maybe have a few hiccups and still have enough overall talent to dominate a team and win. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I, I think that's a reality. That's never. That's not something that coaches would say. It's certainly not something that players should think. I mean, it's inexcusable at all times. But if we're being realistic, yeah, I think that makes a difference. I mean, you're getting hit like probably like for Adrian Martinez for the first time in a very long time. You know, Greg Bell not so much, but. Um, yeah, those are those are the hiccups, the, the kinks, the you know some of that kickoff stuff that you think those penalties there. I just feel like a lot of this was some operationally challenged football, and that cost us the game in some spots. I, I will say with the, uh, I think practice wise, like defensively, and we'll get to talking about that later. But we tackled well, and I thought running back wise, I mean they're getting hit in practice. We're, we, there's contact, and there's guys getting brought down to the ground between backs and receivers and defensive backs and linebackers. I mean, there's there's that contact going on, but there's green jerseys on QBs. And if there's a spot that probably – we just – we don't get to know how much contact they get in practice, but it looked – it didn't look like, you know, Martinez was was used to getting hit around a whole lot and taken down, you know, leading into that. That is a challenge. If you're going to be – if you're going to try to do some option football – and this goes harkens back to the days of the '90s. If you're going to try to do option football and you're trying to do it with green jerseys, I mean that's that's going to be a challenge. And I, you got to be judicious and you got to be smart. You can't go and beat your QBs up. I know during the weeks, but option football like that and, and, and having your QB going out there not sliding and 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 taking hits if if 
that's the first time he's doing it, or if he's doing it once a week, that's the only position I have that issue with right now, too. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, Greg Bell's fumble. Quite honestly, that was just a great defensive hit. That was a helmet that's on a the ball. Football yeah, it was play. helmet that on ball there. Football. It's true. You know, it's good. That's, but, I mean, that's that's. But uh, sucks, but it happens. But with, with with Martinez, it's also there's the element. It's the freshman, his first time out there, and I mean, because he fumbled two other times, that he landed on it. Yeah, so, that's right. So that's I mean, it's not. It, some of that too is just freshman jitters, stuff. freshman everything, and get better. Don't do it again. This is the thing with this staff is that we expect this team to get developed as the season goes on. Well, this is what we'll find out. We'll find out if this is a trend or if this is something that, that is better the next week. Because if we don't make these mistakes again, mm-hmm. then, then we could say, yeah, that definitely cost us that first game. But if this continues to be an issue going forward, then that's, that's something different. Because well, that's the thing. Everything that we just saw this last week, I, I said earlier, I liked everything I saw from the physicality part. If that's the baseline, if this is where we are as the baseline, we're only going to get better from here, then watch out. The season can get good. Because I saw a team that's physical enough to play against the Iowas and Wisconsin's who over physicalityed, if that's a word, <laughs> they overdid all that they to us. They over decimapilotized us. <laughs> they decimapilotized us with physicality a year ago. I don't see that happening again if what we saw last week was a baseline of, of physical play. So now it's right. clean up the things, get better. Let's try not to have our starting quarterbacks get hurt. But guess what? I think every team out there would say the same and go from there. I think we found the quote of the week for honky right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's not uh, – we'll be on offense forever if I let you guys keep on talking. I but know. let's hit uh, wide receivers really quickly and then line. So let's start with wide receivers. Mac, what would you see there? Um, I saw kind of what I thought I'd see, honestly. Uh, Stanley Morgan and, and J.D. Spielman making plays. Uh, Mike Williams looked legitimate, but I yep. also saw, but I also saw Stanley. You know, he started a little slow last year. He has, he, he can drop some balls, but he made some plays too. So, uh, J.D. Spielman delivered on a big one and then dropped one. But you know, room for improvement. But the guys. They're, they're athletes out there. They're going to be problems to match up with. Um, and we didn't – I don't even really remember getting down to seeing uh, McQuitty. I don't know if he played. No, I was going to And ask, I didn't see did Woodyard. see anybody else out there? Or were you surprised? You, I, mean, I didn't see McQuitty. I, I didn't see Hunt. I didn't see Woodyard. Yeah. Yeah, no, so there's, there's, there's still people holding back there. I, you know, I did notice they really do seem to – they seem to substitute by lines like they said they were going to do, almost like hockey lines, because it seems to be the same receiver group out there together at one time. So, um, anyway, this is just kind of interesting, but I thought most of them delivered. I felt like room for improvement. The blocking was great, though, getting downfield and that. I, I love the way we're using them. I think these guys are going to be hard. You know, these might be the games that Stanley Morgan has from time to time, and then he just explodes. So, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty thrilled with how they use them. I, I'll tell you, I think. Mike Williams had that very quiet kind of kind of day, but he came up with some big catches out there at times, uh, you know, third down catches. Yeah. And Morgan does more than just receive. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a great play. Uh, I think we retweeted it, um, but there's a great play where he blocked two defenders and just pushed them around. So I mean, there's again, there's multiple values out of out of a receiver more than just running a route and catching a ball. But I will say that with um, uh, I will say with, with 
with Morgan and, and Spielman, we just need the ultimate amount of consistency out, consistency out of them. They've got to, to make the catches. Absolutely. I would want to, I want to take one step back, though, as we're talking about receiving. Our running backs, I thought, did a really good job of receiving the ball in the backfield. Not maybe overly productive, but they all showed the ability to catch the ball running out of there. And going forward, that's going to be a huge part of our offense. So catching the ball in general was pretty decent. Sure. Uh with the uh, the tight ends, they seem to be somewhat absent, though, right? Uh, I don't know if that was, again, another uh, scheme scenario, but we had a, a couple of catches there. Raftal had a nice one, but pretty quiet on the tight end front, which I think we were all pretty optimistic um, that we'd see a lot from those guys this season. Yeah, and I think those that's a position that can you, – you send a 6'7 or 6'8 tight end down the seams – and when you talk about wanting some big plays, Dave, that's one area that you can yeah, get some big plays. Exactly. And and it's an easier type of route to throw again, right down the middle of the field, as opposed to the, the throw that we threw to um, to Spielman, which is a great throw and a great catch. Those are hard ones to complete. I mean, you're trying to you're trying to hit a 45, 50 yard pass, and you're trying to hit it kind of out towards the towards the uh, the sideline there. I mean, those are those are just tough passes. And I think if we can get those tight ends involved, and we've got some, we have a couple tight ends that are mismatched problems because sure. of their size that that might be a way to 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 get some plays some deeper you know some play action and, and balls down the middle of the field sure one sure. thing one thing i'd like to go back and look at too with the tight ends and i just haven't had the chance yet is to see how they they contribute in the in the running game with the blocking and whatnot i have, i suspect that they probably had a pretty big role in that because they were used a lot maybe not targeted so much but they were on the field a fair amount mm-hmm. that's fair that's actually a good segue there mac to the offensive line, and I think Boomer, you threw out the fact that I mean we had what 250 yards of offense in the or r- rushing yards in the first half, but we ended up only having oh I don't know what was it 330 or some. So obviously the rushing attack was very effective in the first half. We did definitely slow down a little bit in the second, and ultimately we we kind of. We only scored seven points. Let's just face it. I mean we're pretty rosy here right here, but at the end of the day, the offense didn't produce points in that second half when we needed to and part of that might be a little less effective uh, production from that O-line anyone want to take a stab at what happened there in the second half well I mean I I can say this it goes back to what I told Boomer when we were getting about seven yards of carry for a while there out of out of Zigbo and and we had a couple of drives end on the one was on the option run where we're obviously uh Martinez got got injured, uh, but we also we threw that pick. And there's an element of where I think we were being physical enough on the O line where I just wanted to see us. Oh my gosh, this is where we need to have like a karate kid, you know, soundbite of like you know finish him or sweep the leg or something. It was just kill him. <laughs> well, I think that's we're, what Colorado doing... tried to do actually. So well, oh, that's true. But it was we'll we're being physical enough. It was just take it to him. And and I think Husker fans were just waiting for that. Like that last seven to eight minutes of it, it was just like, just give us what we want. Pound it at these guys. You've been doing it all game. And and I don't know if we saw enough of that at the end, or I feel like that was going to work at the end. I, I just felt like a Zigbo just needed to, to earn that scholarship those last seven minutes, and it never really got put in his hands at the end. That's To me, for a team that was running as well as we were, that's what I wanted to see. It, it's not always about finding the big play in this offense. It, we had a consistent seven-yard thing going there for a while towards the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, and I just wanted to see us finish it. 
more than I was worried about when we're snapping the ball on the on the the the, the game clock and everything. It was I just want to see us keep pounding these guys and just keep churning out first downs. And we come out and we do that one interception, which you know no one calls an interception, but we threw one at a time where I'm like, oh, just pounded at these dudes. Sure, that's fair. That's fair. All right, guys, that's uh, I think a pretty solid offensive breakdown. Uh, Honk, did we have some uh, mailbag questions though related to our offensive production? The Mailbag, brought to you by the Taco Pie at Godfather's. It's a taco on an Italian classic. A mix of culinary tastes so good and extreme, your mouth may think you are no longer on this planet. Godfather's Pizza. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, we've been pretty active here on social media and Mailbag this last week. Um, we have a Twitter poll that's, that's probably not going to be active anymore by the time this goes live tomorrow. But uh, it was, what are you more impressed with, the rushing offense or the rushing defense? Of course, the rushing offense being that we had 300 and, like, what, 69 yards or something, and we gave up 44 rushing yards. Uh, with about 600 votes so far, 75% of the responders have said rush defense and 25% have said rush offense. Uh, we also, for the first time, put this poll on our Facebook page, and we have about 40 votes there, which is cute. And um, that was about 65% rush defense to 35% rush offense that they were impressed with the rush defense there. Um, either way, and we had some people being snotty and responding and going, well, we gave up a bunch of passing yards. That's not the question, idiot. The question was, <laughs> what are you more impressed with? Are you more impressed with our rushing, rushing offense or rushing defense? And there were positives, right? Anyone could be negative, right? Um, one other thing with social media, the Iron Inn, which is the, the student section, uh, Taco Bell is doing a Live Moss student section of the year, and, uh, and I, we tweeted a thing out and got some good traction on this. Our student section showed up 90 minutes early for this game. For the first two games, the one that wasn't played in this one, they have been full to the rafters, so great job, students. Keep showing up. You guys are doing awesome. Um, anyone out there, go to the Taco Bell Live Moss student section thing and and submit Nebraska, vote Nebraska. Uh, the Iron Inn deserves it. I personally like crisp meat burritos better than anything that Taco Bell has. <laughs> yeah, this is not an like endorsement the of the food. It's like not an endorsement chicken. of the food, but uh, it's an endorsement of the Iron Inn. At least. I will endorse right, the ranch. If we move on the to the mailbag, and uh, something I guess we haven't said for a while is if you want to mailbag us, wait, I'm going to. Can I re say that? <laughs> I don't know. Just <laughs> keep going. Nope. That's staying in, producer either. Skip. <laughs> Alrighty. Okay. Well, if you want to mailbag us, um, you can you can mailbag us at Twitter or Facebook, or we have GoBigRedcast at Gmail. So plenty of options. Um, the first question we have a couple that came in here: Jackson Stallnaker and uh, Husk guys. Uh, both of them basically kind of asked the same question about, you know, what do you think should happen with the CU player twisting Martinez's leg? Husk guys took it a, a step further and said, should the guy be thrown in jail for the cheap shot? Um, <laughs> in like general, the question is, is that, you know, what, what do you guys think about that, that the play? Uh, Frost addressed it a little bit today. Um, Boomer, I'll, I'll hand it to you. What do you think? Uh, you know, I don't know what all you can do. I think Frost probably approached it the right way, you know, said, hey, we took some looks at it. So we're going to voice our concerns to the, you know, the respective conferences and just kind of let it go from there. You know, you can't always say what's in somebody's head, I guess, with those things. I never got a great look at it. I don't know what all angles, you know, Frost and everybody was able to take a look at it. You know, live, you know, didn't really see a whole lot that looked, you know, dirty. It just looked like a hard hit. 
you know, when you slow it down and start looking at it, you know, was somebody rolling over, torquing the torquing the knee a little more than he should have been? I don't know. Hard to say. You know, you always hear all the stories of things that go on in those piles and eyes getting poked out, things grabbed and pulled. I mean, Nebraska's no stranger to that either. So, yeah, I don't know at this point. Hard to say. But I'm sure the Pac-12 thoroughly investigated it and investigated themselves and oh, yeah, took it I'm very sure seriously. So no worries there. <laughs> well, and, and, and they did the investigation already, as did CU, and, and there will be nothing happening to the, well, to the so player. Just to, okay. well, I, I feel like, Honky, you mentioned this, I think, via text today. I mean, the, the real, the knee probably went under most of the stress with the high-low hit action, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he's being, the, the initial contact by whatever this guy's name was, number 44, nothing dirty about that. Then he gets hit up high, and that's where really the twisting action occurs. It does appear in the video, if you you see an angle, where he holds onto the leg well after the play's probably been blown dead and seems to be torquing it, essentially. But I don't really know at that point if that was doing any real significant issue. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it looked like a similar to an unnatural football play that guy was doing, but was it uh, excessively dirty? Probably not. It sounds like typical Colorado behavior. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> I, I, I mean, rewatching the no, game, I'll be honest no, with I, you. When we, I saw it, I didn't see much. I mean, I'm sure there's angles that I could look at, and it probably doesn't look awesome. But, I mean, it's football. People don't like each other. You know, he didn't – if he actually hurt the guy and it was intentional, in like, like an intentional way, that's something different. But I don't – I think we'd be more of an option. I mean, I, rewatching the game, I saw at least two other times where – uh, a couple CU guys were just after a tackle, just kind of like really like, you know, gave a little extra, extra leverage there to someone who was on the ground. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it was excessively dirty or not, but they were definitely were were trying to be physical um, after the tackle. Whatever. I'll tell you worth. what, it it's something that running quarterbacks get that more than anybody. Yeah. I mean, when there's a hit, when there's a chance to lay a hit on a, on a mobile QB, they'll do it, and. And a lot of times they can get away with it. And when it's not a mobile QB, it's amazing. When a non-mobile QB does some kind of a play and starts running and even slides and gets hit, holy smokes, the flags come flying around. But if you're running an option, if you're just out there running, man, those guys can take some some hits sometimes and and things don't get called. Well, Hunk, uh, before you leave this one really quick, uh, I mean, I'm sure everybody's already heard this. but So as Max said, Martinez is day-to-day – and there seems to be a, a chance that he plays on, on Saturday. Uh, do you guys have any, any thoughts on the pros and cons of, of Martinez uh, going forward, uh, playing or not playing right away? I, I 100% leave it up to the, to, the, to the medical staff. And if they say he's good to go, you play him. And you play him like he's either, yeah. he's either full go or he's no go in, in my mind. And as a coach, that's how I would, how I would view it. Um, he is certainly, at the very least, he's in no position to be sitting out games because he doesn't need the reps, right? I right. mean, at the very least, this guy needs to play if he's healthy. If he's not healthy, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, it's it's not going to get any easier playing against Michigan. So I'd rather him play this game and see what he can do and, and adjust because maybe he's going to have to play with a bit of a gimpy wheel. Well, you better find out what that's going to be like versus Troy than versus Michigan. So – yeah, if he's if he's able to go and we're gonna try to ride him for the rest of the season, he needs to play. I mean, all right, good stuff. I, mean, I think we're gonna try to win. Okay, yeah. next mailbag question, Boomer. You have a fan, 
Steve in Central City asked about the uh, special teams, and he wanted to know what Boomer, the special teams coordinator, thought about uh, how the special teams played. Well, you know, we've all been uh, – <laughs> everything's been so scarlet today. That's definitely one of the worst segments of the game. Um, you know, tweeted it several times. If you wanted to see how important kickers are to a team, that was a game that was a prime example of how important they could be. Um, you know, neither team did astoundingly well on special teams, but we unfortunately, you know, got the worst end of that stick. Um, you know, Colorado missed a few field goals. We definitely missed one. And I think, you know, that just kind of showed the lack of faith we have in our kicker when early on it was, what were we at, the 32, and we opted to go for it on fourth down rather than, uh, you know, attempt a 47-yard field goal, and we got snuffed on fourth and one. You know, just some examples of what having a good kicker could do. That gets you six points if you can make both of those, and, hey, that's a win. Uh, punting was pretty average at 42.7 yards a punt, I think is what we averaged. Not great. Uh, Ty John Lindsay with punt returns. What is it with Nebraska and punt returning in the last, I don't know, how long has it been since we've had a – well, effective punt return game that we DPE can count on. for I mean, his freshman year, and that that was glorious. And then yeah, besides and that, then you know, ever since then, it's just been nothing. Almost like a complete anomaly, too. Yeah, yeah, it seems like it was. That's that's the strange thing about it. I think that we were negative point seven in punt return yards. Wow. I mean, you could just catch the ball and fall forward and be better. Hey, I mean, yeah. what Husker in the past used to do that, guys? <laughs> Santino <laughs> Panico. <laughs> hey, but it would have worked. Would have been better than what we had this weekend, but. Uh, and then, then uh, kickoff you know, returns weren't all that outstanding either. We averaged about 15 yards of kickoff return, and Colorado is doing 25 and a half yards of kickoff return. I mean, that, that yard it starts adding up over the course of a game, and, you know, if you can't pin people Does deep, you can't Does that include the penalties return. that we had during those, those uh, oh, quite a few returns? Yeah, it was, I mean, geez. Yeah, it was, it was a sloppy game all around, and, you know, people forget about that part of the game, but, man, that – could have made a huge difference in a close game like this. So hopefully that's time they can fix some of that. I don't know if you're going to be able to fix the field goal kicking at this point. I mean, you got what you got, and hopefully I'll get a little better with more practice. But, uh, you know, I don't know if we'll have that to fall back sure. on like we used to. I mean, to. it'd be nice if, if Pickering had a chance to, you know, hit a couple of field goals against Akron yeah. last week under no pressure and just got that out of the way. It, it's tough to – your very first collegiate kick being a 44-yarder – you know, in, in an important part. So that's, that's tough. So, Hey, Michael, do you think that short of – are you happy with the personnel that we're using on kickoff, kickoff return, the guys returning the ball? Do you feel like that is an area that they want to change? Or do you think that – Well, I think like what's your What's your optimism level? I mean, tell me tell – me, give me the rosiest scenario. Or, or do you not see it getting much better? Well, I did – You'd hope it's got to get better. I mean, if it gets worse, that's just a bad sign right there. I mean, we've got athletes back there returning the ball. They -hmm. should be able to generate something. I think a lot of it is just breaking some bad habits. I mean, we haven't had a good special teams performance, or a coach for that matter, for quite a while here at this school. So, again, kind of like Dave said, a lot of it may just be that first game jitters. It's a lot of stuff you got to work out. You know, being out there fielding punts in real time with – guys bearing down on you who apparently are more than willing to try to kill some of the players out there on occasion. <laughs> yeah. A lot different than doing that in, in practice. So, I mean, you know, there's going to be some nerves there, and it's going to take a little little effort to get this worked out. And, you know, a game like Troy hopefully is a good chance to do that. So, Yeah, no kidding. Well, we've talked to uh, two parts of the uh, team, the offense and special teams. The the third part of it, uh, our last mailback question, Scott. <laughs> concessions <laughs> runs those were, were very good again uh scott dace thank you scott you keep asking questions we'll keep answering they're good keep questions asking them we'll too. keep putting I mean, them if up they yeah. weren't good questions we wouldn't do it 
That's very true. Well, how surprised were uh, were we by the defensive performance? The pressure, I'm sorry. Uh, he wasn't counting on seven sacks. So, Dave, what do you think about that? Oh, I was ecstatic. Being in the game, uh, watching, you know, being, watching the game in the stadium, uh, seeing that much um, pressure on the quarterback and the hits, uh, especially – Kill uh, Davis. That that was a massive sack. I mean, we just haven't seen that. It feels like forever. Uh, I thought that was was great. I didn't expect that much activity. I expected more than what we would have saw last year. Obviously, very different type of defensive approach. Um, I am a little surprised that with that much pressure occurring on Montez, and this is really a credit to him as a quarterback, that it didn't create more turnovers. Never really fumbled the ball. It didn't force him into throwing into to coverage or anything like that. Usually when you're putting that much pressure on a quarterback, he's going to make some poor decisions, and you're going to get a pick at some point, and that just didn't happen. Uh, probably the closest one was that flea flicker with uh, DiCaprio Boodle who just didn't bring down the ball. But, yeah, I was a little bit surprised too, Scott, to be honest with you. Uh, but that, that bodes well for the future. The front seven looked great. I mean, I, I, I think that's um, a, an obvious answer. You guys, I totally agree. I mean, those that what you said you, is absolutely right. Usually, when you get pressure and actually put hits, good hits, not just oh, sacking yeah. him because you grabbed his shoelace and he tripped, which were kind of our sacks from a year ago, but like landing on him, taking the breath out of a guy, you know, making him pay for standing in there. To his credit, it, it never really generated any kind of issue for him. A couple incompletions, but not like bad unforced errors. You know, just live to play the next day. That was awful. That, you know, that that's kind of stuff you want. Fumbles and fumbles and picks. That, but still, yeah, good to see. All right, let's uh, let's uh, take that cue and actually move on into our defensive breakdown with throwing the bones. You're listening to the Go Big Redcast, brought to you by Godfather's Pizza, the original family style pizza. Piled high with real cheese and fresh ingredients on quality dough done right. A salad bar is also available for your lame friends. Godfather's Pizza. And now, throw the bones, the defensive breakdown. All right, fellas, let's uh, throw those bones and do our defensive breakdown. And we're already getting into it a little bit in various different segments of the show, but even though uh, the Buffs did post 33 points on us uh, we held them uh, to 44 rushing yards I believe uh, under 400 yards of total offense uh, we had seven sacks um, overall you have to say it was a, a pretty darn good performance just not a winning one uh, Honky why don't we start with you and I mean, what were your uh, standout performers there on the defensive side of the ball well, I think right away the fact that we had seven sacks, which was more than any individual game we had last year. Last year's uh, high mark for sacks was five against Illinois. And the fact that we had 14 sacks total last season, the seven we just had were half of that. So some standout performers, I'm going to say anyone that had a sack. Uh, Khalil Davis had two. Gifford had one and a half. Uh, Freedom, one and a half. Ferguson, one. Stilly, one. But in general, I really – Two areas or three areas really stood out to me. Defensive line rotation. They had to have played eight to nine defensive linemen in all different variety of, of setups. There, was, there were plays where we only had the Davis twins on the field. That's right, yep. thought that was really impressive. Um, number two area of impressiveness was I really liked the, the 
inside linebacker play I thought was just outstanding. We saw, and that was mainly uh, Hannes and and Young and and Barry. But I mean, my God, Barry was all over the place. Um, but they were making plays. And then I'm going to single out in the secondary. Secondary, I really liked Boodle. I thought that they they picked on him quite a bit. And I don't know how much you get to see on TV versus being there. But I, being there in the stadium, I was really impressed. He was picked on a number of times, one-on-one situations, and I just thought he was in really good position. He missed an interception that, you know, on that flea flicker that I would like to have seen him make. But overall, I don't have a lot of complaints there. Yeah, I mean, I liked I liked a lot of what I saw there on the defensive line. The, the boys up front did pretty good, man. They were pretty hungry after the, the quarterback. Um the tackling in general on the defense was as good as I've seen in a long time. You know, they, you kind of got that uh, that look. They were shooting their shots, and then they were spilling in towards leverage, and and there were a lot of hats to the ball. I mean, eventually. How did we lose this game? I don't Mac? know. I don't know because usually stuff like that leads to hats to the ball, leads to turnovers. When but the Colorado never put the ball on the carpet. They they did a really good job of protecting the ball, but but. We hit them when we got there. We hit them hard. You know, the I mean, our linebackers. We had three linebackers with over ten tackles. That's a pretty yeah. good stat. Yep. And yep. a lot of people on the line contributed. Khalil Davis looked all conference to me to start out the yep. game. And the good thing, I guess, the one thing you take away from this being an opener versus Akron as opposed to Colorado, as these stats might have a little weight to them. You know, if, if he had two sacks against Akron, who yep. cares? But it is against Colorado, and it is against kind of a senior quarterback. But power so five it, team, yep. And, and they were laying wood when they did it. So, I mean, there, there are positives to be taken away. The, the run game was taken completely on by our, by our team. I mean, we they ma- just completely stopped them. On we the mailbagged game. them a couple times. They had a few <laughs> breaks. Yeah, a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> quarterback got loose a couple times too. But that yeah, Mont says that the biggest part of the day at thirteen back, yards. Yeah. I think. Usually, when they break our back, that just was sort of a well. That was that was too bad, you know. Played. In so many ways, you could say we played well enough to win this game, and then. But man, it's you just. You just can't. It's it's a complete game. So of course I'm going to have some. You know we have scarlet colored glasses, but Boomer's the best guy to throw the the negative down. Boomer, if you can, if you can get harsh on the defense, where where did it come from? I think the biggest one was just that lack of turnovers. That was something we preached all year. You know, Scott said how important that was. We've covered it here already. You know, you're minus three in the turnover margin. That's just going to cost you a lot of games. I mean, it's really difficult to win. I mean, I know. was expecting us to eventually get one of those back, and they just yeah, never, yeah. and never that's happened. something hockey was you know constantly saying. Said next to me, you know, we made them pass fifty times. Okay, this is the one that's due for the interception. Nope, now it's the next one. Now it's the next one, and that just never came. That's yeah. just going to be a challenge. You can't go, you know, minus three or, or worse. Outside and of the, games. So. the Boodle flea, fic, flea flicker, excuse me, uh, which was a near interception or should have been. There wasn't a lot of even chances. It didn't feel like it was kind of no. It really didn't. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of you know tipped balls or things in the air that we had a mm. shot at getting. And like McGuire said, there really wasn't anything ever fumbled or put on the carpet to even have a dive at. And it just they just weren't there. Colorado protected the ball really well. I'll have, and I'm gonna, I'll have a negative oh, really quick, Hunk. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's third down defense. Uh, that, well, that's where I was going to go. Perfect. So. so, I mean, I, I think uh, the first half they were only one of seven. And then I think they converted five or six in the second half, including, I mean, the numbers are gaudy, right? It was third and 19, third and 15, 
third and nine, third and 24. Um, and that just killed us. I mean, we just couldn't yep. get off the field on third and long. And this plays right back into the turnover piece because as Boomer and I were sitting there together watching it, I'm like, the situations that we were putting them in, which was third and longs to begin with, those plays lend themselves perfectly to interceptions, right? We're going to get some pressure on you. You're going to be throwing a a 20-yard pass in the air when we're expecting it. You just, at some point, by dumb luck, you just expect someone to go up and catch one of those. This is where I'll fall back on at some point as much as it pains me as a as a an old Big Eight and Big Twelve guy, it pains me to give that credit. But you, some credit has to be due to, to Colorado. They had some really good receivers that made some plays. Montez made some outstanding throws. There was one ball thrown to the southeast corner of the of the stadium. It was right in front of us. We were right behind the band. And who's their who's their big receiver? What was the top? Shavolt. Lakeska okay, Shavolt. I'm sure he was the guy that caught this. He he lays out dives on a third and long. And, and catches it, you know, like with both hands extended. Perfect throw. We had outstanding coverage. Everything's done right. And I just turned to Boomer and I go, you just got to take your hat off to that. Like that that's an example of a play where, okay, they have scholarships too. They're going to make plays. Then, of course, you have kind of the elephant in the room, the, the uh, Antonio Reed penalty, which I thought looked so much worse where we were particularly seated, which was kind of behind it. I th- the second it got done, I was like, oh, my God, he's kicked out. He's That's targeting. He's done. That's what it looked like from my seat. Now, once I saw the, the replays, I, you know, obviously it wasn't that. But it was a penalty, or at least it's going to be called a penalty yeah, nine out of ten times. Yep. Just, that's just the reality of it. And it was an unnecessary play at a time. You know, the, the ball was only thrown halfway to the first down, I think, roughly, you know. The, the point is that that didn't need to happen on that play, and those are things that we can get better from. Again, correctable things. Physical errors, physical penalties versus dumb penalties or you know penalties where we're just not thinking, I guess. I mean, we're going full speed. And so I don't know. I, no, I think that's a, that's a good point, Honk. I, I wonder, Mac, maybe you can answer this question. How much do you feel like the, I mean, with the lack of turnovers and, and maybe that mistake by Reed, for example – I'm not. I'm not like blaming the previous coaching staff here, but I mean, there has to be some residual, like you know, uh, tendencies that are are still being carried over, and we're breaking free of those. I mean, you, did you see anything out there where you're like, yeah, you know, I, I give these guys another month or two, and we're just not gonna. They're gonna play that much better. They're they're going to be more aggressive uh, on breaking on the ball, and they're gonna get that pick that they just didn't make in this first game. Blame last, blame the last staff, man. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Blame them. It's always easier to do that. It's pretty easy, really. Well, it can't be understated, to be honest with you. I mean, it, I really feel like you could go down the list, guys, and look at players who we had last year that played significantly better. Uh, young. And at the linebacker position, mm-hmm. he was there making plays and explosive plays, blowing people up. The Davis brothers had been relatively quiet for their career, and they were monsters yesterday. You know, Freedom hasn't seemed like had a sack in two seasons, and he got you know, like one and a half the other day. So, yeah, I feel like we're, we're kind of cresting that. You know, Luke Gifford was all over the place yep. yesterday. Tyron Ferguson is a guy who's been with the program forever and is finally starting to make 
make a dent mm-hmm. in this thing. So yeah, there's there's but it's it's an evolution and, and everything I think Frost said it perfectly. You know, there's things there's lessons this team needs to learn before you go from average to good. And and I think we saw some of that, you know, but <clears throat> there is there is an art or a uh, a certain recipe to winning football games that you have to learn as a team and it comes through growth and experience, but it also comes through belief and i feel like they're close on belief i mean football plays happened and we lost that game but but i can i mean that's like we talked about at the beginning of the season how do you stomach maybe not illustrious you know win loss record for this year well it's games like these that you can kind of stomach because you saw a lot of positives now we have to grow we have to get better but yeah i mean the the buy-in is there the guys are obviously selling out for it so i'm yeah, i mean I see a lot of potential with this team. We've we've got to tighten it up, but geez. Yeah, I think that's week a really, one. It's week one. It's a really good point. I feel like you've felt that in the the post game presser with Frost and his frustration wasn't really with the play, but it was like he knows that they they're just they're that close of 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 being there already, but they just weren't quite there. You know, Honk. No, no, I just... I said it perfectly? You guys have said. Yes. You said it perfectly. Excellent. Uh, all right, guys. Well, let's let's wrap that up for a uh, defensive breakdown. And, uh, hey, let's head back into our weekly pick The Redcast Predictions, brought to you by Godfather's Pizza, a pizza you can't refuse since 1973. Hey, remember when Herman Cain was the CEO? Godfather's Pizza. And I think we're bringing back... The lock of the week. We uh, kind of just forgot about the lock of the week the first couple of <laughs> weeks. Apparently, we didn't have any lock. This of the week. is a drinking podcast, friends. Sometimes we just don't remember. We even write it down. And, and it, it was a big hit it, last year. We just kind of forgot to bring it back. It literally came up in a text message where it's like, "Didn't we do lock of the week last week? Yeah, we or last year we did. Oh well, why aren't well, we doing it? I think it? we should make it." If we're going to make it the lock, then it has to carry more weight. Like, if you get your lock wrong, it should be minus two. And if you get it, it should be plus two. No. No? No. Unless it's like, no. I don't so know. there's more risk than reward? You've lock locked it. Yeah. Okay, so. If you... We can revisit it next week. If we, <laughs> if we remember. <laughs> if we remember. All, All right. right. Well, how did we do last week? Does anybody have those numbers That's a good in question. Front of us? How did we do? I did the reverse of what I did the first week, which is again I don't care, so it doesn't matter. But I, I know I finished last because did you? Weird. Well, what? I had USC beating Stanford, and so I was close. I. It was a two point thing, but I had Michigan State beating uh, Arizona State. Uh, I picked the Sun Devils. Three point so. loss. I there's one or two other ones I had, but point is, we'll get that updated on Twitter. But I, I'm everyone caught up with me from my my first week, uh, so congrats, I guess. Hmm. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's uh, hit these up uh, fast and furious like, and uh, let me know what your lock of the week is right off the bat. Uh, let's uh, start with a little game in uh, Lawrence, which I know Honky and Boomer are likely going to be driving <laughs> down to. Uh, oh yeah, Boomer, I'll pick you up. Okay, sounds good. We have the Scarlet Knights of Rutgers taking on the Jayhawks of Kansas. Kansas is now actually a two-and-a-half-point favorite thanks to their thrashing of the Central Michigan Chippewas. Uh, Boomer, take this away. 
Oh, man. This is like a <laughs> blind possum fighting a sunstroke squirrel over a half-eaten chalupa. I mean, this is going to be exciting. <laughs> uh, let's go Rutgers. Go Big Ten. All right. Uh, hockey? Oh, I am going to go with Kansas at home. Uh, Lawrence is going to be crazy for this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mac? I don't believe Kansas remembers that they have a football program. <laughs> I'm going to pick Rutgers. <laughs> and the most available ticket within driving radius. <laughs> That's right. Uh, this is interesting. This is a tough one. I think Rutgers quarterback got uh, dinged up there against Ohio State. Um, oh, what the heck? I'm going to go with Kansas. I'm going to take Kansas. All right. Home, home field advantage. All right, uh, big matchup down in the SEC. We have uh, Tigers versus Tigers. LSU going to Auburn. Auburn's a 10-point favorite there uh, on probably the CBS game of the week, if I'm, I'm not mistaken. Uh, Honky, take it away. I'm going to go with my lock of the week. Auburn wins at home against LSU. They, they've played Washington. They've had the, the schedule to set them up for this. And, of course, you know, home field, why not? Seems reasonable, Mac. I just don't know if I. I'm, I'm afraid to pick Auburn. I don't know. I feel like every time I get behind that team, they sort of let me down. And LSU. Oh, I'll be different. I'll pick the Tigers of LSU. Nice. The Joe Burrows. All right. Fighting Joe Burrows. Uh, Boomer. Uh, we're going with the home Tigers here. So Auburn. Yeah, I'll take Auburn too. Although I, I'm, I'll be rooting for LSU. We'll see. All right. Wired claws to a lead. <laughs> yep, yep. Max taking one uh, off a flyer there. All right, how about uh, this is, I think, might be the most interesting matchup of the week to me. Boise State heading down to Stillwater to take on Oklahoma State in a, a pretty big matchup. These are, I believe, two ranked teams. Uh, I'll start with Mac. This is an interesting one. I, I mean, only because of where it's at, I'm probably going to pick Oklahoma State. I, I'm really hoping I get a chance to watch this one. All right. Uh, Honky. Well, Boise's traveled all over the place already. They've been down to, to Troy, and now they're going to Oklahoma State in just a, a short amount of time. That's a That's lot of traveling true. there. Um, going, you know what? I'm going uh, the Blue Men group here. We'll, we'll get a away trip uh, or away win, Boise. All right. Uh, Boomer. Yeah, I've had this one circled here for a week or so. This looks on paper to be probably one of the most exciting games of the week. Just the offenses alone should be uh, fun to watch. What's the what's the over under, uh, Boomer? Uh, let's see. I don't have that in front of me. I can dig that. No, up No, no, no. I mean, just you. You just tell me. Oh, what do you what think? Do I think it is. Oh, Eric. Oh, uh, oh shoot. I'd 90? say that's probably. I'd go ninety-one and a half would be my. <laughs> that's my oh, over under okay. slot. You guys can pick your points from there. I'm yeah, going to go with Boise. Always been a fan. Let's go with that. Yeah. You know, I just don't know enough about Oklahoma State this year. To, they played mostly uh, crap. So. Yeah, Okie State is favored by three. I'm, I'm uh, almost surprised by that. That's pretty much home field advantage there. I'm going to take Boise, too. I just I just feel like Boise is probably, uh, you know, UCF is actually playing Car- North Carolina this week and favored by, like, two touchdowns, but Boise might be the best. Um, group of five team out there. I'll I'll take the Broncos as well. All right, we have, and this is a honky special. He wanted this one game on here. Colorado State 
which we we joked with uh, producer Skip with last week, but they played an amazing game. They came back. They were down, I think, 27-9 versus Arkansas in Fort Collins, comes back and wins the game. They beat an SEC team, SEC team there in their home stadium. The, the Rams are going to Florida. Florida has just lost to Kentucky. Florida's still a 21-point favorite. Um, I would love to take Colorado State in this game, and I feel someone in this group may go out on that limb. I'm going to take Florida as the lock of my week. All right. Honky? Well, do you know who the quarterback was for Kentucky? Terry Wilson, Jr. That's correct. Um, I am going to go with, you know, the Mountain West, the higher elevation. They've been, they've been working out all offseason in that, and they're, they're, they are prepared to play in tough places like the Swamp, you know, where the air quality isn't as good and all that. I am going with the CSU Rams. Uh, they've played 12 games already, so they are definitely uh, ready and in, 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 in postseason uh, form. Colorado State's going to defeat the Gators on the road. Honky's Horrible Pick of the Week, brought to you by Godfather's Pizza. There's nobody's pizza like Godfather's Pizza. Oh, sh- yeah, it's good. Godfather's Pizza. If Colorado State, Florida, I don't know, is that if that's an early game and that game would end earlier than the Nebraska game, Colorado State could complete four games before Nebraska completes two. Would that be fair to say? That would be that correct. Would be That's crazy. All right. Uh, Mac, who do you take? Uh, Florida. That was pretty easy. That's probably a smart one. <laughs> and, and, and he used to live in Fort Collins, so Mac, Mac knows the CSU team well. He lived there for two years. Uh I'm kind of worried about my pick now. No, you should be fine. Yeah, I'm sure they're very good. I hear the uh, humidity down there is good for peripheral neuropathy. Well, look, which is what their if, offense has. Look, I'll, I'll throw this to Boomer. If CSU can win this game and go two and over to the SEC, and this is a team that lost to Colorado by what was it, 32, 33 points? Oh yeah, it's quite um, handy. That Colorado team might be really, really good. So that would be a great outcome if Honky is correct, Boomer. Yeah, that would be nice, but since uh, we're bringing the SEC back into the picture, let's go back to our prediction of pain, so Florida's going to win. Always a safe bet. Uh, speaking of that SEC pain, uh, we have Alabama going to Oxford to play Ole Miss. Uh, let's start with uh, – uh, let's go with Boomer, actually. Uh, I know Ole Miss tends to have Alabama's number in recent years, but this Alabama team's just ridiculously good again. So they're going to win, and I'll just take that as a cop-out lock of the week. Yeah, that's that's a smart one. Honky? Yeah, I, I really badly want to pick Ole Miss just to, just to do it and everything, but I can't. I'll just stick with Bama. Mac. Ugh. Yeah, Bama's now got a vertical passing threat with a dual-threat quarterback and then everything else they've ever always had, which is an amazing line in, in running backs that are made from iron. So they'll be fine. They should be fine. Yeah, Alabama does look even better than usual. That's, that's hard to say. All right, I think this is probably one of the toughest games to pick on our list here and an important one for the Big Ten West and a second-year coach. We have... Mizzou heading into West Lafayette to take on 
Purdue. Mizzou is a seven-point favorite. They're two and zero. Purdue is zero and two and desperate for a win. Let's uh, start with Mac. I feel like the misery just continues for Purdue, and they go ahead and go zero and three at the start of the season. That's going to be a hard one to swallow, but that's my guess. Yeah, I can't believe I'm saying that as well. But yeah, I'm going to take take Missouri on this. I, it's yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen anything from Purdue so far. Hockey. I am proud to say that as early as you know the the early shows we did in August, I was already counting out Purdue right away. I you did say you did not. Yeah, everyone was def- talking about their defense. Didn't they lost a lot of talent on that defense, and that's really impacted the overall play. And I saw us beat them last year. Yeah, and that was all. That's <laughs> literally all that I needed to see. I, this. I don't even know who Mizzou has on their team, but I'm going Mizzou. They've got to be better than Eastern Michigan. Yeah, and they have Drew Locke, who's uh, probably an NFL quarterback, so we'll see. Boomer. Yeah, we've only got a couple of weeks of stats, but Missouri dominates Purdue and all of them that are of any value whatsoever. So, sadly, again, Missouri's going to win. Jeez. All right, uh, maybe a more positive Big Ten pick here. Ohio State goes to Fort Worth to take on Texas Christian. Yeah, I'll I'll take Ohio State in this one. It's a no-brainer to me, but I I do think TCU will probably put up a bit of a fight at some point. Uh, hockey. Yeah, I've got TCU winning the uh, the the Big Twelve, uh, if I recall right, or at least playing in the Big Twelve title. I can't remember at this point. I I'm high on TCU, but I can't express how big of a win this needs to be for the for the Big Ten. O- or OSU, how much it can't be a loss. Yeah, Ohio with. Michigan losing to Notre Dame and what Purdue did with with stinking Eastern Michigan and Michigan State losing to Arizona State and I can go down the list. We lost Nebraska, Colorado. Colorado, and Duke beating Northwestern. We need a win like this. The Big Ten desperately needs it. I'm I'm going with OSU in the final the final game of the Urban Meyer not allowed to coaches teamy uh, suspension deal. <laughs> All right, Mac. Yeah, I mean, I really feel like Ohio State's pretty legitimate this year. They are – it should be between them and Alabama at some point, I'd imagine. Those two teams look like the best to me at the start of the season, so I think they go down there and take care of business. All right, Boomer? Uh, I like the Horned Frogs, but Ohio State's just too much for them this year. So, Buckeyes. All right. Now, it should be a, a good time down there at uh, TCU at Amon Carter Stadium. I've uh, been down there many times. I lived in Fort Worth for a while. Should be a good time on Westbury Street, but, yeah, Buckeyes. All right, uh, USC at Texas. How about this matchup, guys? Two programs, uh, they're both 1-1, one and one, both uh, struggling already this year, uh, underperforming. Um, I'll start with Honky on this one. Texas is a 3.5-point favorite at home. Neither of these teams have shown me anything yet this year, so take it away. ESPN is promoting this. Or, no, it's Fox. I think it's on Fox. They're promoting this as game three of this epic series of what started in the Rose Bowl, and then they must have played right. a couple years ago. And, they just and played last year. Game three of it. Oh, was it last year? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, this is not game three of any epic series. These are two teams that are very average right now. And – you know, I'm going to give it to Texas for no other reason than it's a home game, and that's the USC team that I have winning the Pac-10, which or Pac-12, which shows again how much I know. 
Um, but I'm going to go with Texas here at home. All right, Mac? I would probably agree with that logic. I don't I, – this is a coin flip for me in, in a lot of ways. I'm curious. It's, it's funny just – I remember watching that bowl game in your basement, Dave. Yeah. One of the best bowl games I ever saw was USC-Texas. But yeah. it's just cyclical. College football, man. You never know. So that being said, let's go with Texas one more time. Somebody take USC so we have something different. All right. Mike's a Trojan fan. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's yeah. actually a Texas and a Trojan fan in his oh, that's past true. Lives, oh, yeah. So this is a Well, that's true. Has everyone taken a lock of the week colliding. yet? Are there any lock of the weeks that have not been taken yet by anyone? I, have I, I, I don't have a lock of the week. Mine's going to be Nebraska choice. <laughs> <laughs> you can't take Shut Nebraska up. as your lock of the week, Mac. That's you can't take Nebraska as lock of the week. Yet, so. we, haven't, we haven't set those rules uh, up yet. Maybe, maybe you might get by next this week. week. Next, next week. week you can't take it. Uh, Boomer, who are you taking? Jeez, ah, this game is just... Like, of course, this is a toy flip here. This is just They're just equally bad. It's just hard to... Pick who's going to stink less this week. Uh, I'm just going to say Texas wins. I think USC still slumping after getting clobbered by Stanford there, having no offense whatsoever. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, I, I, I want to take USC just to be different, but uh, when it's a coin flip, you take the home team, so I'll, I'll take Texas as well. well we're going to find out. All right, um, well – uh, USC is in the Pac-12, and a big Pac-12 matchup actually is Pac-12 North favorite Washington going to Salt Lake City to take on Utah, who I'm relatively high on. Uh, Huskies are a six-point favorite. Let's uh, start with Boomer. Well, uh, let's go Washington. Why not? reasonable. Yeah, I got no <laughs> rationale. We're just All right. With it. Honk? Well, two things. I don't have Washington winning the North, so that means they have to lose a couple of games, and I think this is one of them that could happen. Second, it's in the mountains and blah, blah, blah elevation. And third, uh, I went to Utah over the summertime, got to go up into the uh, press box. It's one of the stadiums I was able to see. Very cool. That's where the uh, the Winter Olympics was there, and they have the torch up there. It was really cool. Nice people. That all that gives me enough confidence to think that this is the time that Utah is going to beat uh, Washington. So I'm going with Utah. Mac. Washington Huskies. <laughs> it's a short answer. <laughs> Jeez. Dave says blow through this part. And you're like blah blah blah. Talkie talkie. That was yeah. Hockey tries to s- yeah. sound smart, but also doesn't care. Quote unquote. Um, I don't care. I really could not care. <laughs> I'm high on I'm Utah, kidding. so I'm gonna. Take him this week. I, I don't know if it'll pay off or not, but I'll I'll take Utah to pull off the upset. Hurrah! All right, guys. Uh, Troy uh, visits Lincoln for an early kickoff. Nebraska is a 11.5-point favorite. I don't know how that fluctuates depending on our QB situation. Uh, let's start with Boomer. Uh, yeah, like I said, the quarterback situation is in flux, but I think the rest of the talent's there, and even if a bunch plays... He looked all right in the series he had. Troy's been up and down this year. Got walloped by Boise and looked okay last week. You know, coughed up four turnovers their first game. Took four in their second. So, yeah, I still think Nebraska wins this fairly handily. We're going to say 35 to 20. How about that? All right. Sounds good. Uh, Mac. 
I look for this to be a bounce back week. Now, this prediction is with Adrian actually getting the start. Actually, I don't need that. If Adrian starts, he's going to I think we're going to score in the 50s. I think we're going to score in the 50s. I think if if this coaching staff is good about cleaning up what we needed to clean up, um, that that's a is at least as many points as we might have left on the field last last week or at Akron. So, uh, defensively, I'll see they give up 17 points. So, 52-17. I like it. Yeah. All right. Early game, that's when we shine, right? That's when we practice. We're at our peak condition right there. If anything means anything, you know, this early kickoff, let's get it rolling. I agree. Absolutely. Hawk. I love my wife very much, and I've taken her to a lot of great uh, football locales over the last couple summers. Uh, that includes the city of Troy, Alabama. That's true. Uh, three years ago, it was the very early part of August, which is a lovely time to be in Bama. Um, actually, we walked onto the field of Troy which is like a high, glorified high school stadium, but very nice facilities. And we were there the first day of opening camp. I had no idea because there was nobody there, but they apparently had just gotten done practicing a couple days before. Point is, I think that this is, <laughs> you know, I think this is a good team. They beat LSU last year. I'm sure they're improved. We're going to win 76 to 5. <laughs> Did they get a safety on us? Two safeties and an extra point? Is that possible? <laughs> well, that sounds horrible. <laughs> I'm not happy with that score at all. Yeah. They can run an extra, a blocked extra point back. How about that? There, well, there you go. There you go. Masker getting the safeties. Uh, yeah. I like the optimism. I, By the way, that was my lock of the week. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Good, good choice there, Mac. Thank uh, you. I mean, it's 11 and a half points podcast. spread. It's not big. Troy... Uh, you know, supposedly might have been our, our strongest non-con game, and I think Colorado might have blew that theory out of the water. But so I'll I'll say we're gonna win uh, 42-27. I think uh, that's with Martinez starting, and we'll put up big yardage again, but maybe give it up uh, a few points here or there. So yeah, it'll be all good, all good. All right, guys, uh, let's take some parting shots and get the heck out of here. Parting shots brought to you by Godfather's Pizza. You ever seen the Godfather movie trilogy? It's like that, but for your mouth. Godfather Part 1 is like the all-meat combo pie. Part 2, the equivalent to the chicken bacon ranch. And Godfather Part 3, well, that might as well be the salad bar. Godfather's Pizza. Honky, take it away. Well, I want to start with last weekend. Uh, Boomer, Mac, and I are all uh, graduates of Columbus Scotus High School, and uh, I was able to go back last weekend for the 25th anniversary of the Class B state championship that we won in 1992, which was a, a, a great time. I uh, got to watch a, a last-second loss of the Shamrocks against uh, West Point Beamer. Mm. But on top of that, uh, our, our coach, uh, Jim Pitts, who passed away last Saturday, I believe it was the day, of the Akron game. He passed away and it was a great chance to get back. And uh, I wasn't able to get back for the funeral, but I was able to get back the day after. And, yeah. and we, we met a bunch of former players, got together, coaches. It was just a really a great opportunity to get to, to see a bunch of people we hadn't in, in, in a while and, and honor the guy. He's a, a Hall of Fame coach and, and uh, just talk about a lot of good times. So, uh, you know, made me feel a little bit like an old guy, but it was good to see some people I hadn't seen in a while. Hunky, you are an old guy. You know, they, they just kind of encapsulate that small town high school football uh, feel. I mean, I I feel like blessed that I got to be a part of a team like that. It just was just like storybook, 
kind of stuff. It was cool. And we ended the night at the Knights of Columbus, so there's there's nothing more Columbus than that. Um, <laughs> a couple other things real quick. Nebraska volleyball is up to number four again. They beat Creighton, which is also in the top ten now. So great volleyball being played. And the other thing I, I, was, I wanted to talk more about, but there's just not time. Michael Severe uh, last Thursday did a Big Red Breakfast that's on the bottom line app uh, podcast. Listen to it. Download it from last Thursday, the Big Red Breakfast. They had uh, Charlie McBride and George Darlington on it. Oh, I listened to that. It was too many, Too many stories for me to go over right now. It's worth your time. Download it and listen to it. Great stuff. Excellent. Good stuff. Mac. I just want to give a little shout out to the Redcasters that came to our tailgate. Uh, I had uh, I had just personally, family wise, a really good turnout. My sisters always tend to show up for things like that, which I always appreciate my family uh, turning out. They might not download the show, but they will come and tailgate and drink with us. So you know, <laughs> I appreciate that. And you know, just getting down there for an actual game day again, so much fun. Football season is upon us. You know, folks, if we want to get nitpicky, that's fine. We can do that. But why don't we just enjoy football yeah. while it's here? Amen. I mean, Scott Frost is home, man. We're playing hard. That's right. Oh. Boomer. Uh, I just wanted to give a couple quick shout-outs. One to our great graphic designer, Dan Swoboda, who comes up with all the fabulous artwork that you guys see on our Twitter feed, so make sure you're enjoying that. And I uh, just want to remind uh, football fans that uh, Maction is going strong this week. Um, our resident check cashers, Akron, are uh, – Playing a Northwestern, so that'll be interesting to watch, uh, see how they actually perform against a you know, Big Ten opponent. And, uh, again, don't sleep on a Miami at Toledo this week. Miami's going to the glass bowl, so Toledo's nothing to sneeze at. So, And we've all seen how, how those Florida how teams are playing. So. How did Solich do last week? Uh, they won again, I believe. I can pull up the exact numbers here. I had the... And- Oh, well, while you're pulling that up, Pelini, how did he do against? Uh, yeah, they played West West Virginia, so that should about tell you how they did. Yeah, Not so. Mama. Yeah, That's Ohio right. had the week Mama. off already. They had their bye week. They get Virginia this week, so go Bobcats, no, no, Mama. Huh, yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, uh, great show, great show. Um, wish it could have been celebrating a victory, but uh, we're gonna one more week, that- guys. Soon enough, exactly, Mac. One more week, guys. We actually had a game to talk about. I couldn't be more happy. As soon as we get out of this podcast, I'm going to watch the game again. Redcaster, sorry you went so long. We were just so happy to talk football again. All right, guys, let's call that a Go Big Redcast. Red Trojan Man.